Hello, hello everyone. Um, it's it, this is weird. I've not done one of these in a while. It's a it's a pre-record because I'm uh I, I'm at real life. It's Wednesday, so it means because today isn't a strike day, I will have been doing all of my filming, uh, and so I'm probably very exhausted at this very moment. I will be possibly at a dinner table with with prodding rail other railway industry people. And getting the lowdown on things. That's probably what I'm doing right now. I might have just got the hotel room and fallen asleep, though. I may have had heat stroke. Variety of things, depending on the weather. Anyway, um, today, tonight, tonight, well, actually, it's Monday night, because I realised I needed to do a pre-record and did that in a massive panic. Tonight, though, we are going to very quickly cover, uh, it's a very quick uh, history of UK rail strike action, along with much news. Um, so, so yeah, it'll be a bit of a quick whiz through. I'm not, it's, it's not an instructive history Go and speak to Dr. David Turner or other railway historians for that. But it's just a bit of a quick whiz through because actually, if you're like me and, and actually not that up to date with exactly what strike action has happened when, uh, hopefully this will provide a little bit of a guide. Uh, it was a learning exercise for me as much as anything to kind of remind myself what was happening when. We'll look at successes, we'll look at failures, we'll think about some context. We'll maybe refer to the big 1955 strike because everyone seems to be referring to that in the context of this one. And I, that's not a good idea. As David said in his thread. Anyway, we'll get to that. Right, first, the news. Oh, oh my goodness. So, uh, oh, I'll tell you what, let's, let me to click the right button. Here we are. So yeah, probably, I don't know, because it's Monday, and tomorrow is strike day from my perspective. You're, you're, reading, you're seeing this in the future. Uh, the strike is probably happening. Um, I highly doubt government will have actually succeeded in negotiating anything because the government doesn't want to do anything. They are fundamentally opposed to doing anything. So, uh, solidarity to everyone in the RMT. There are a lot of people currently forgoing quite a lot of money um, in order to stand up for their and their less fortunate colleagues' rights. So, uh, absolute solidarity to the RMT. Um, uh, here is this man. Uh, lying, nasty piece of work. Uh, our current transport minister. Uh, says lots of things, does nothing. Um uh, he's just, you know, I think he's mostly obsessed with his, like, private plane that he likes to fly in. I think that's pretty much it. Anyway, the strike is, is yeah, probably happening. Uh, what was, uh, what was this, this man, chap, saying? Uh, Grand Chaps was saying, uh, that he's potentially, he was saying, this is news from two, two weeks ago now, since, since two weeks ago is Rail Matter, because the last one with, um, Alexandra, I didn't have any news, because I was, uh, under the cosh again, uh, for reasons which I'll tell you at the end of the news. Anyway, uh, yeah, he was saying that, uh, bearing in mind that he said it was bad that agency staff were being used by P&O, now he's saying that agency staff might be used... Uh, which is funny because uh, you can't train agency staff to become signalers, or indeed maintenance, uh, and, you know, track tra workers and things. So this is just a gimmick to try and uh, to try and you know get people away from the strike. I, I don't know what the general public's feeling is against the strike. It feels quite positive on Twitter, but that's a bubble. So I don't know what the reality is on the ground. But I I hope that um, all of the right wing frothing about uh, the strike being all bad and you know blah 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 all this nonsense uh, hasn't cut through we'll have to see but yeah so so there's this sort of nonsense um the tssa you know this is this is potentially in a balloon the tssa it's my union um are currently balloting uh network rail uh, staff and train operating company staff uh, whether they also need to strike based on on a similar pr premise so that might happen uh, so so vote yes in your ballot if 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 you if you believe so um, I, I certainly would would support those strikes if I if I could. Sadly, I'm in a you know I, I don't get balloted for this because I mean I'm, I'm outside of network rail, so I don't get I don't get this ballot. But absolutely sorry, dude. Sadly, you can't do flying picketing either, so I can't just like take the day off and come and join the picket line. That would be sackable. 
so don't do that, folks. But there are other ways you can show solidarity. And indeed, the TSSA website, they sent a great email out saying how to show solidarity. It's actually really important that you under, don't undermine the legitimacy of other strikes. So um, doing underhand stuff can be problematic. You don't want to risk, bearing in mind how much anti-union uh, law there is at the moment, you don't want to risk delegitimizing the... Uh, the RMT strike and any potential future TSSA strikes by doing something illegal. So, so to make sure if you're going to, you know, if you are going to show solidarity, do so in a way that's legal, so you don't give the government an excuse um, to bulldoze through the strike. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff on the TSSA website on that front, actually. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. So the normal right wing frothing was happening. Here's um, Jonathan Miller, who uh, it's just it's a spectator piece, so you expect it to be like a load of rot. This didn't didn't disappoint. Absolute nonsense. Don't go to the spectator website to read it. Uh, just look for the screenshots on Twitter because don't give them the clicks. Honestly, the whole point of this, this is a piece written for clicks more than anything else, but it is full of absolute nonsense and it repeats IEA rubbish about the fact that buses can do everything better. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, what else? Oh yeah, just as of you know, an hour ago from this recording, uh, the Times artist did this rubbish uh, saying, up oh, the workers with a, a picture of a train driver. It's not a train driver strike. Uh, with a bunch of other workers here saying we are the effing workers and um yeah weirdly this this cartoony when i put it out of context it looks even more like it's actually a um actually a um a thing saying just call a general strike so yeah i fully agree with peter brooks here uh, yes there should be a general strike uh, everyone should be out there should be a general strike uh, and that might make government think twice about its current uh, current program things, or it'll just make it uh, turn Britain even more rapidly into a police state. Uh, either way. Oh, moving on from strike stuff. Data don't lie. I put an asterisk after don't because obviously it does when you misuse it. But there's some very interesting data here that that uh, Tom Saunders of the I uh, has uh, pulled together, which is very nice. Which is the proportion of trains arriving on time by station in May, and it's very interesting because you've got the East Anglia here. Things doing pretty well. London and the southeast here doing pretty well. And then everything else, particularly some of these long rural lines, actually, which is interesting. So the um, Heart of Wales line, the Tarka line, Cambrian coastline, really not doing very well. Um, and actually, basically, it's saying that essentially all other stations outside of that bubble there are just not doing very well. Actually, the valleys, there's a couple of blues in the valleys. But anyway, a uh, bit of a mess, really. Uh, and it's quite nice. It's 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 quite a nice visualization. I'm hoping that this will lead into another visualization that my as yet unpublicly announced um, uh, role with a certain institution might might be useful to point out um, about service provision. So this is quite interesting. Um, I, I like this. This is this is nice. Tom, uh, this is cool. Reach out if you if you want to chat about stuff. But uh, yeah, nice one. Uh, very nice little bit of data viz here. Love it. Um, and oh yeah, yeah, I, did, I zoomed in on it. I, I forgot that I zoomed in on it. That was a waste of scribbling. And uh, anyway, anyway why? I, I John Madden the wrong slide. It's fine. Um, yeah, you can really see it there, can't you? Crikey, it's just like, this is fine. Uh, everyone here is, is doing all right. I'm not suggesting it's sunshine and roses, but it's, um, you can see that pretty much everything in all other directions is, uh, is, is not doing so well. So quite interesting that. Um, oh, uh, yeah, just in case anyone hadn't realised, uh, yeah, Britain's broken. And there's another visualisation of this showing Britain compared to, like, everywhere else in terms of, like, GDP. And it's like, everywhere else is doing kind of this. And we're down down here. Uh, because our economy is broken, because we have an economy that's propped up entirely by fake house price, you know, overinflated house prices. And the Tories just want to turn everything into Daily Mail fodder and everything's collapsing in on itself. So, yeah, good times. Hooray! Uh, yeah, no, it's not going well. Um, 
for, for Britain. And and also there's, you know, lots of papers are starting to talk about the, the Brexit impacts, which is at least interesting. But um, anyway, talking of which, uh, abolish the Treasury again, because everyone's favourite uh, favorite treasurer here, uh, Chancellor's Exchequer, Oh, anyway, yeah. So the Treasury. What well, is this? Me tweeting actually. Yes, I'm putting a picture of my own tweet. I was just pointing out that, that Andy, that uh, the Treasury is spiting Andy Burnham by cutting the Goldborn link, hobbling uh, Manchester Piccadilly Station, and ignoring um, the proper upgrades uh, of um, platforms at 1516 through Manchester. So it's ignoring long distance and suburban capacity through Manchester. At the same time, so that's about seven billion pounds of work that they're that they're um, deliberately hobbling. At the same time, uh, through Treasury incompetence led by Sunak. Uh, Treasury vaporized 11 billion um, through basically, I suppose it's a bit like getting a fixed rate versus a variable rate mortgage. And there are certain ways that Treasury guarantees its own bonds. Uh, it's not very exciting or interesting. And the reality is it doesn't really matter, actually, because just like capital expenditure, that 11 billion isn't real money. So it doesn't really matter. But in the way, in the government's own ideology, it does matter. And yet they're willing to vaporize literally 11 billion quid through sheer incompetence. So yeah, uh, abolish the treasury. Just an absolute waste of time. Department disintegrate them, atomize them, uh, sack everyone, uh, and then just employ new people entirely from fresh uh, in other departments. Um, and people say, "Oh, it would cause chaos in Britain if you did that." Um, hello, look out the window. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else? Let's have something cheery, shall we? Yes, let's, yes, there is. sensationally loud good god uh funky I, I quite enjoyed that little bit of like uh like uh sort of uh retro techno that's nice i like that anyway there's lnr yeah they've um they've uh they've put they've put like a retro version of gareth's retro version of swallow livery not me gareth uh lovely graphic design gareth from lnr um uh has 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 done this and it's awesome and hopefully we'll get him on real match to talk about it but uh what a very very nice livery for the 225s uh which by the way they're drumming back into frontline service because there's so many passengers on lnr that they cannot keep up and they're desperate to run more services um and they they were at one point looking at bringing hsts back because the capacity issues were so tight uh so um i'll also note the only top running a full timetable at this point i believe so hmm Take from that what you will. And why was I uh, running off last time? Uh, well, it was because I was going to the, the very, very Light Rail conference, uh, which uh, I, I've learned quite a bit, actually. It was, it was quite useful. So I'll, I'll pull, I've recorded some stuff. I'll do a hybrid non-live live episode. So I'll do like pre-record bits, but then I'll have a live element for the Q&A afterwards. Uh, a bit like I did ages ago. If you remember, I sat in an airport and uh, did a Q&A over Periscope about the... Uh, e highway. I'll do that a bit like a bit like that with VLR. Should be good. Um, uh, yeah. So look forward to that. I'm not sure when it'll come out uh, because next week is different, but it'll be soon. Uh, without further ado, that's the end of the news. Let's uh, let's crack on because I want this to be nice and short because it's currently like uh, half past nine uh, and I want to go to bed. So right, let's get on with it. Welcome to tonight's show, everyone. Let's talk about strikes. <laughs> 
really does look good. And what's quite nice is that more trains are going to look like this. Fully intercity, liveried up. Oh. Anyway, it's fading away. Marvellous. <sighs> Here it is. Actually, there's a picture of an RMT strike from London Underground because this looks like the entrance to a tube line. And it looks like London. But anyway, it's a nice picture. Um, because, yes, we're here to talk about strikes. Uh, I'm going to make my miniaturised face appear in the top corner. Hi. Um, yeah, strike time. Uh, let's let's get on with it. Firstly, uh, there's so much pe so many people throwing blame around. And I've seen progressives or, or sort of left-of-centre progressives saying that, oh, no, the RMT has to shoulder some blame for this. No, they don't. Why, why do they? Well, again, there's this... And I get asked the question a lot. There's all this money... You know, that money's tight, you know, people need to tighten their belts. And, oh, I, I see people talking about the, the fact that, you know, external shock inflation and internal shock inflation and balance of trades and all this bollocks. No, workers and, and, and people deserve to be paid appropriately. And that's one element of this. But it's not even about pay. A reminder that Network Rail was looking... Oh, yeah, I was going to put the image in from that. Oh, I forgot to. Anyway, never mind. It's fine. Um, Network Rail uh, were asked and told and forced by government to, to, to make redundant or remove 8,000 staff members. That's 20% of the workforce, of their workforce. Um, and that is just... It's, it's bonkers. It's, it's absolutely wild decision to make, uh, given that railways need to be expanding, given that there's so much more that railways need to be doing, and given the skills shortage, that we sack a load of skilled people. Because invariably, a lot of the, the voluntary redundancies that have already shed huge numbers of staff from Network Rail are all the senior experienced people who need to be passing experience down to younger staff. So, yeah, really problematic. And whose fault is this? It's not the RMT. It's not Network Rail's fault either. Like, okay, yeah, Network Rail are piggy in the middle, but it's frankly not actually Network Rail's fault. There are some characters within Network Rail who um, maybe could have done, gone about things differently, you know, very senior top figures who perhaps could have played whipping boys slightly less successfully, slightly um, less um, voluntarily. But actually, reality is, you know, you look at Andrew Haynes, he looks broken. Uh, and, and, and I dare say Tim Shovel is not feeling particularly great about what's going on at the moment. So I, I don't know. F f don't point the blame at Network Rail. Point the blame where it deserves to be pointed, which is, of course, squarely at government, at the DFT, and more particularly, let's face it, at uh, our old friends here at Treasury. Uh, there they are. It's Treasury. Uh, it's their fault. Why is it their fault? Well, oh, I meant to get rid of the animation on this. Anyway, the, the, the key players, well, it's Sunak's fault. It's Gilligan's fault, absolutely. He's, uh, you know, his, his transport advisor. But but really, it's um, the only people, person's fault. The main person's fault is it's this guy. Uh, this guy uh, doesn't have any, really have any power anymore. Uh, this guy, when it comes, like, He's, he's problematic, but actually, when it comes to this stuff, he, he's not really got any power. Uh, Sunak uh, has 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 all the power. Uh, here's, here's here's some uh, that was supposed to be like devil horns, which actually because drawn like the devil, but actually that's probably not a very good drawing at all. So I'm just going to give him a, a a big. Um, can I draw a poop emoji? Probably not very well. I'm just going to give him a I don't know what's a just a just an unhappy face. There we go. Just do an unhappy face. Uh, and uh, Shaps here, well, to be honest, he doesn't have much power either because he's, he's sort of uh, about as useless as a dry flannel. Uh, just just not not really... Uh, not really. So, so basically, if you want someone to blame, here he is. This guy. Rishi Sunak. It's his fault. So, uh, enough of my work pointing out who you need to be blaming here. Um, this is going to be a very short and probably not very good history of railway strikes. And we're going to start at the very beginning, which is... In 1152, before the current era, um, yeah, that's right, we are going back to ancient Egypt because the first sort of solid evidence of a strike happened 
in uh, in uh, in Deir Al Medina, in uh, at the uh, kind of at the at the Royal Necropolis, where a bunch of like a huge number of artisans who are working on this is their village actually. This is the artisans' village at the head of the Valley of Kings, um, in ancient Egypt. And uh, this is quite late on, by the way. Well, reasonably late on in the uh, in, in Egypt's history. And they were sick of the Egyptian authorities' bullshit. Uh, basically, uh, they'd had their um, they they walked off the job because their wages hadn't been paid. And they yeah they walked off the job, and all of a sudden the Egyptian authorities were like, uh, yeah yeah we can't actually yeah we we haven't got anyone to build this really complicated kind of craft well crafted sort of actually fairly heavily engineered kind of uh, series of temples. So the authorities uh raised the wages of the of the artisans so uh that was a victory uh so hooray to the victory of the first ever historically recorded strike and to be honest the general trend of strike action is of successes certainly until the 80s it was of successes when we won things like you know strikes have given us what have they given us oh i forget on camera hello everyone They're, they've given us the weekend they've given us uh our own bloody time because they've limited our number of working days in a week and in a day uh, they've given us paid sick leave, they've given us paid holiday, they've given all of the things that you have that you literally allow you to live your life are, have been won through union and strike action. So, uh, don't take it for granted, folks. Anyway, let's, uh, let's jump huge leap forwards to 1768 in that there England that they have, um, uh, because this was primarily in, in the ports in, in England rather than across the whole UK. But certainly, um, you know, and this is, why have I jumped to this year? Because I believe... Wikipedia is to believe, be believed anyway. Uh, that the name for uh, the word, you know, the name strike came from um, came from here. These 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 top mat, these elements of the mast here. These these top bits of the, of the mast of shipping. Uh, are they top riders or something like that? They've got a funny name. I can't remember. I don't know anything about boats. Uh, actually, that's not true. I know loads about boats, but I don't know much about sailing boats. Anyway, uh, these bits uh, workers would just go off, and I presume they would just like saw the top of the sail off. Uh, what was called was striking or they struck the top of the sail off um uh to prevent the ship from being able to leave and that was where the term strike came from uh yeah that's the that's the theory uh is is that where it actually came from i don't know historians pick pick me up on that one but that's the that's the general logic so jumping forward to the first sort of proper industrial action we are jumping forward to 1842 april to august 1842 why because it was the first um, it was the first proper general strike happened. Uh, it was known as the Plug Plot Riots, um, and it started amongst miners uh, in, in Staffordshire, um, and, and it kind of spread right the way across the country. So it was affecting mills and factories and mines, and it was, as far, it was up in Scotland, it was down in Cornwall, it was across South Wales, uh, right the way across the Midlands. Um, and, um, and yeah, this, this came about as, as part of a movement, a political movement at the time that was called Chartism. Uh, the Chartists were sort of pushing for sort of well they had six six things i think is that right six or seven six things that the charters wanted us to have uh, to do with like uh and i'm using uh, inverted commas here like universal but i would say male suffrage so not really universal suffrage but anyway it was it was a, a, a work pretty much a working class movement for for like massive political reform to bring people into the franchise uh, or sorry bring men into the franchise let's face it but anyway you know baby steps and um and and so there were things like like equal size constituencies uh not having property rights to limit whether you uh, sorry not having like property uh endowment being whether you could or could not become an mp that sort of thing to bring people into the franchise um and they they kind of their 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 this political movement reached a peak 
um, in the um, uh, with this general strike in 1842. This is kind of the peak of, of the influence of the of the of the Chartist movement. Um, and it kind of like did continue after this, but this was kind of the peak of it. And and to be honest, this strike, um, which yeah, kind of when, when was it happening? Yeah, kind of uh, through 1842, uh, had mixed success. To be honest, uh, there was like uh, yeah, there was like violent repression, including quite a lot of people being shot. No, uh, oh, oh wait a minute, I know what's going to happen here. Watch this. Watch. This. I can. I can. I can do this on the fly. Uh, where are we? I'm going to do this because I didn't want that to appear. I wanted this to appear. Uh, there we go. Good. Oof. It's as if it's professional. You know what? I'm not even. Gonna, this. I could edit that out, but I'm not going to because uh, that's the way the world works. Um, yeah. There's a nice plaque in. I think this is Lancaster. No. Uh, it's not. Possibly it is in Lancaster. Here in Durham Street on the 15th of August, 1842, textile workers protesting against wage cuts in the famous plug plot uh, were fired upon by troops of the 72nd Regiment. Up to three of the demonstrators are thought to have been killed. Yeah, there's just a general vibe of, like, heavy repression of this. So, yeah, make success of this one because it was pretty violent repression. But it did lead to, inverted commas, I put a big asterisk here, universal suffrage. Um, it did lead, to, eventually lead, to, you know, it... it, it um it, it sort of uh validated um uh, uh this uh, this movement the charts movement it showed that it was widely uh supported and, and it made government eventually kind of implement i think almost all all but one of the of the five kind of things written on the on that charter uh you know the charts movement all, all but all but one of them i think the only one that they didn't act they didn't do was like annual general elections which to be fair sounds like a pretty good thing because annual general election sounds like a pain in the ass anyway right so mixed success violent repression uh but it did lead to universal suffrage arguably so that right let's jump forward to 1911 people should know this date this was the first general railway strike so this was from the 18th to the 19th of august um and uh yeah it was uh it was the first national strike of railway workers in britain um, it was sort of, it was basically a kind of, a, it was the, the culmination of, a, of, of kind of multiple years of, uh, of disputes between the various railway companies and, and their staff, their workers. Um, and also it was like the first chance for the unions that by this point were starting to get really strong to show their, um, to kind of assert their strength and, 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 and sort of point out that they're like quite, quite well organized kind of, basically, uh, it only lasted two days, but the, this, this pretty substantial show of strength. Um, succeeded in forcing the Liberal government of the day to actually um, kind of reach settlement and actually offer offer them, you know, basically pull the railway companies up on their uh, what were called the conciliation boards that, that worked on, on, on payment. Uh, and essentially, so yeah, uh, there were lives lost because this led to the Slenetli riots, um, kind of in one look at, well, in Slenetli Station, which is pictured here, actually. Here's Slenetli Station. Now, this looks like an old picture, but actually I believe this is actually a picture from the bloody 1970s, so... Uh, is that right? 60s? Anyway, it looks like actually probably a deceptively recent picture, but that's fine. No one, no one's going to know. It's, it's certainly post-Second World War, this picture. Anywho, um, uh, there was a block... Of, yeah, there was kind of some shenanigans in in um, uh, in Flanethi, and um, a little little kind of a reasonably familiar fat guy that you might be uh, that you might know called uh, Winston Churchill uh, I, don't, I don't know why I called him a fat guy it's not very fair um, he was uh, sort of a guy who you all know probably and that people lots of people have written hagiographies about anyway that guy um, he uh, essentially authorized the use of lethal force um, as he had in several other such situations across Empire but in this case it was against um, people on home turf. And uh, and it resulted in uh, two was it two or three 
workers being shot at point blank range and uh, and then there wasn't workers there was like only one worker actually got shot some innocent guy got shot and then a bunch of other people blew themselves up in the in this kind of the riot that followed that shooting uh, because they blew up a munitions truck which was not a great idea in honesty anyway six lives were lost but a settlement was reached uh, so this was a pretty successful strike the first of the national rail strikes we jump forward to 1919 because 1919 brings us the uh, so that's September to October 1919 uh, brought us another uh, massive national railway strike uh, and it was between um, it was kind of between what, what, what have I said between here yeah, September to October yeah that's right uh, and again this was uh, so here you, here you see some here's some bobbies with uh, presumably with like a uh, kind of a, a bap stored under their hat there's some other people that I, I don't know what I don't know these some picketers and some police here this is, yeah, I don't know in any case um, uh, this uh, it, was a, it was another victory uh, because we got uh, standardized wages and crucially this brought in the work the eight-hour working day to the railways so massive victory on that standardized wages so we didn't have this com competition between the railway companies which to be fair at this point we're about to be smooshed into one thing anyway so yeah massive victory for, for 1919 strikes are not all rosy though and if we jump forwards to a pretty infamous year 1926 4th to the 12th of may 1926 was the year of the massive general strike uh, a, you know, 1.5 million workers went on strike. Uh, it was a massive show of sympathy to uh, the coal miners who were uh, striking for uh, to get better wages uh, and to improve and improve working conditions. This was not a great success. In fact, I would argue this was a failure. This is, by the way, this is a bus with a you know, bus workers also went on strike, and here is a bus, and it, and it had all of them had like one army guy with a rifle on it. So uh, nice bus though. Anyway. This is a failure, unfortunately. 1926 was a failure, certainly from a railway perspective. But generally, uh, the the strike was broken. Uh, sympathy strikes were actually banned as a result of this. So, uh, you know, why we can't go on strike just because we feel like supporting another union? Those were banned, um, and uh, and low wages and poor conditions for the miners remained actually at this point. So, so that was a bit of a failure, despite the scale of that of that strike, an enormous, probably the big the UK's biggest strike ever. Um, so. That's 1926. Jump forwards to 1955. This is the strike that everyone's talking about at the moment, right? Everyone's talking about 1955. May to June 1955. Uh, massive strikes, uh, primarily Aslef-led, uh, right the way across the railways. Um, and, well, there's a variety of things to say about these uh, these strikes. Hello, yeah, I need to remember that I'm on camera. Hi, everyone. Um, firstly, these, are, these strikes are attributed as being the reason why rail freight was uh, declined so substantially but as we talked about in our rail freight episode uh that merely just accelerated a decision that had already been made frankly by a lot of the haulage companies a lot of the um, logistics companies and, and and companies within supply chains that they were choosing to move to road anyway by this point more interestingly oh by the way everyone should go and read dr david turner's thread on this he did a fantastic thread it'll be fairly high up his profile because he's not tweeting much but um, he's on pat leave. So go go and find that thread, read it. It's fantastic, as you'd expect from David. Uh, just brilliant. And it, um, in it, it, David points out that actually passenger ridership kind of boot, uh, kind of uh, rose after this. You know, it bumped up after this. So the idea that we're going to, that, that the strikes this year, the 2022 strikes, are going to see a decline in railway usage like 1955 is just not historically sound. It really isn't. So saying, 1955 was another failure because the unions really were defeated on this one. Low wages remained in place. They did. This was not a victory. 1955 was not a victory, despite the scale of those strikes. 
So, uh, yeah, not not great, to be honest. Um, jump forward to 1971. Uh, I don't exactly know when this one-day strike was, but I, hopefully you all know why there was a strike in 1971. I think it was in July, but I don't know exactly what day it was. I think it was maybe in late July, but someone else can correct me on this. Because APTE was moved... Uh, <laughs> it was moved uh, under... Uh, you know, out, out of acceptance by a union after the vehicle had been blacklisted. And this resulted in the whole union going, right, sod you, day of strike. And, oh, I need to drink some water. Where's my bottle? It's miles away, damn it. Anyway, oh, I could do with a drink of water. Anyway, uh, I digress. We've been going for, we've only been, we've only been going for half an hour. It's okay, this is going to be a short and sweet one. Uh, so yeah, they uh, they struck. Uh, one day of strike, and uh, it was a success because good grief did British Rail not uh, never forget to ignore uh, or to pay attention to the, the needs of, uh, of drivers uh, in train design. I consider that to be a successful strike because the money, what was that? Way more than the annual budget of um, of the APT was what was burned in uh, um, in dealing with the aftermath of this strike. You know, the, the cost is lost revenue. So, right, that was 1971. We're going to jump forward to the winter of discontent that everyone thinks isn't the winter of discontent because everyone remembers the winter of discontent as being from 1974, but it isn't. Winter of discontent is 1978 79. And, um, this was the things were bad at this point. Bad things had been happening for a variety of reasons, um, but there was just a huge swell of uh, discontent across both the public and the, and the private sector. In fact, private sector wages had risen, public sector wages had not. Um, and yeah, so we had just you know public services collapsing, fire ambulance not not functioning, roads not being cleared of snow. It happened to be one of the worst winters in. You know, in the 20th century, it was like the third worst winter in the 20th century or something. Just an enormous calamity, really, for the functioning of Britain. Uh, kind of like we're leading up to uh, now. Uh, you know, we're getting to the point of things kind of collapsing in on themselves at this point. In any case, uh, yeah, you can see a scene here from like a, just abandoned, an abandoned tip. Uh, this looks, I mean, yeah, this looks suspiciously like a picture from the US, though, actually. Uh, yeah. I don't know, it's a nice picture anyway, but that does look... The architecture in the background does... Oh, no, there's a red phone box and a, and a British sign here. That's, that's a British sign here. That's British. And there's a red phone box. So we're in Britain, it's okay. I just forget how old-fashioned the late 1970s still looked. Anyway, um, yeah, I put OBS over there, which is why I'm looking a bit more over there. The chat's not here. Normally the lovely chat. Hello, everyone not in the chat or in the chat right now. Uh, talking amongst yourselves. Anyway, right, so tip closed. Yeah, uh, and you can see this tip is it's in the middle of a park. Brilliant. Anyway, everything was going wrong. Unfortunately, this there was a, so, so there was a, like a, a cascade of, of, of strikes across different workers, and the railways uh, were no different. So railway workers got involved in that strike. Uh, the challenge was that, and this was true for all of the public sector, so private sector had, had seen a pay rise. Public sector workers... Basically, there were macro effects going on. You know, the government was just, just not in a good way. Callahan's government was just not not in a good way. There had been a, a, a recession as a result of a variety of factors, including the oil crisis, sort of the second oil crisis, and, and lots of other factors at play, bigger than the railway, that basically limited government's ability to offer anything. Uh, and I'd say the failure, this strike, these, these strikes did not necessarily lead to Thatcher's victory, but they were certainly part of the bigger picture that led to Thatcher's victory, which very much smashed the power of unions. So I'd say that the the late 70s strikes are probably the most, the largest failure in strike history because they resulted in a 
just like a swinging heap of anti-union measures which really limit the sorts of things that we can do today uh so you know people are asking the question oh why can't you just let everyone travel by for free on the railways well because that you know there is an anti-union law that was introduced over this period that prevents us from doing that prevents you know rail workers from doing that uh you know there, there are lots of sort of short of strike action uh, act, activity that the unions are just not allowed to do. The reason being that the hope is that the unions would never do the actual strike because they haven't got the, the, the cash or the political capital to do so. Um, so, yeah, union busting is, is what happened as a result of this. Real heavy union busting. Not good. Right, let's jump forward to 1982. Uh, we're kind of midway through or, or towards the, the kind of the, sort of, if you like, the peak of, of British Rail's sort of tenure, really. Things were going pretty well generally for British Rail at this point. Certainly by the mid-80s, things were... Things were in really good in really good shape, but by this point there were discussions about changing the way the workforce functioned. March to July nineteen eighty two, we saw a series of strikes, um, essentially trying to raise awareness of, of flexible rostering and some of the eroding of, of worker rights associated with it. Um, this was a working out whether this was a success or a failure is a bit tricky, really. Uh, I'm calling it a partial victory of a strike because. Uh, what you, what is now the RMT, what was the National Union of Railwomen, uh, their strike collapsed actually after a couple of days. So Aslef, Aslef stepped in, uh, grew that strike. Uh, and some concessions were won, uh, but it is a kind of a partial victory. It wasn't a total success. Um, for a more successful strike, we jump forwards to a strike that I think, I think bears much more re resemblance to how things are currently in the UK than any other which is 1989, April to July 1989. Uh, we jump forwards, we get to the, the, to the late 1980s. Um, so there were massive strikes right the way across, um, you know, a one, what is it, one or two day strike? Uh, there are a series of strikes actually, but there are certainly like, um, oh yeah, sorry, there was like several stoppages, sort of several 24 hour stoppages. Um, and it was by, it was actually by the NUR, what beca what's become the RMT. And, um, it was like underground drivers, it was mainline railway drivers, um, but it was also other staff as well. Um, uh, were Aslef involved in this one? Again, the history of strike. funnily enough, the history of strikes is remarkably poorly recorded um, and certainly not very easily accessible. Uh, and also Wikipedia strike pages are just dreadful. It's, it's like all libertarian guys who write Wikipedia, clearly. I, I know that's not true, but... Um, vibes. Anyway, um, so yeah, there were wage talks, they fell through... At this point, uh, inflation in the UK was a very familiar number, which was uh, around eight to ten percent. Uh, I think it's like eight, eight and a half percent kind of inflation uh, at the point of these strikes, and um, and yeah, so that that kind of part that had partly led to pay demands, but it was other other kind of staffing queries as well, as you'd expect. This strike was an absolute victory because. There was a nine percent. If, if if inflation was about eight and a half percent, there was the pay rise awarded was a was about a half percent above that. So there was an actual nine percent pay rise awarded. This was a victory. And do you know how much this affected ridership? It didn't. Ridership continued to rise until the early 90s, the full early nineties recession, which followed this inflation bubble. By the way, uh, the recession, which arguably was as a result of the austerity measures used to fight the inflation. Are we going to learn this? Uh, no, probably not. Anyway, uh, yeah, the pay rise was awarded. This was a success, and ridership continued to grow. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, a uh, little interjection here. Um, I've not included, or not generally, I know it's, it is a railway, underground is a railway, but I, there, there, there have been a lot more strikes, and so I, rather than covering all of the underground strikes, I'm praising 
this into the fact there have been lots of underground strikes and um and those underground strikes often lead to discussion about driverless trains and all the same chat over and over again um there have been successful strikes there have been less successful strikes um, but I think better better historians than I can cover that. Well, I'm not a historian. Historians can talk about that um, uh, and, and go into detail about that. And there is plenty of stuff you can read about it. But um, I, I thought for the sake of a, a short episode, I'd um, I'd kind of praise generally the mainline railway, not look at any detail of the underground. And, and kind of obviously then if we jump to, to kind of talking about 2016 to 2019. So this is this, we've been having on and off railway strikes for ages, you know, for since 2016 about a variety of things so driver only operation is certainly the main thread that ties a lot of these together you know the 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 keep the guard on the train sort of uh fight this one here i look to this guy keep the guard on the train now i've talked about this before um on this and the reality is that since since certainly since i was sort of in the in the early years of these strikes my politics has changed you know i've, I've got they talk they say that you, as you get older you get more conservative it's just not true it's just a, it's people confusing the way that generations have certain political views compared to just when you get older the, the generations as you get older perhaps are more conservative but anyway uh, as i've got older i've only got more um socialist i've only got more left wing if you like that still doesn't necessarily mean i 100 percent. basically this is messy the 20 the, the, the do stuff the drive the guard stuff is messy absolutely right that the, the challenge is that the, the unions are right that this is that the, the doo argument the technological argument and the arguments that were made about safety were perhaps a bit of a red herring but the arguments about the fact that under privatized railway system the only lever that the private rail operating companies had train operating companies had to to make any profit was to basically squeeze staffing that was the only lever they had and, and indeed they tried to pull it as much as they could um and so to that end extent yes it was right that um that these strikes are right to, to 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 push on that i think the messaging i might you know, yeah, I, I don't fully agree, and and I, I think there is a, there is a, a discussion about okay, not modernization in the sense that the current strikes are there's the word modernization is being basically used to say modernization is a euphemism for sacking people. I don't think that is the case here, and, and you know, capacity there are benefits to the railway of operating with staff, you know, changing the roles of staff on the train, but I don't believe that there shouldn't be a, a staff member on the train. So, I, a driver controlled operation versus driver only operation is sort of a bit of the battle. In ev this is a bit more of a so for me like okay uh, this one is a really complicated picture and, and actually these strikes have covered a load of things not just driver only operations so it's quite a mixed complicated picture and there's some strikes that i absolutely would unconditionally support actually to be honest I, my politically where i am now i absolutely support these strikes what i would say is is that i, I think messaging you know being careful about messaging is really important uh because my politics has changed a bit but um I would say these strikes have still seen mixed success because there have been quite a few situations where there are concessions won by the unions. So, you know, this is on a on a, a an operator by operator basis um, rather than, you know, you can't, can't actually do a national strike, really. So it's a, an operator by operator basis. Some there are victories, some, oh, excuse me, some, uh, you know, we still have the rollout of driver only operation, which, you know, whatever. Uh, but driver controlled operation, which, you know, ostensibly, you know, for example, on Mersey Rail, that, 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 battle is still going on i think that driver control operation is the right thing on mercy rail uh you know I, I think that you keep someone on that train 
um uh you know there's the discussion of yes but if you take away the fact that there has to be someone absolutely has to be someone on the train which is what this discussion is to allow flexibility in case there is a bit of a perturbation you've ended up with staff elsewhere and you want to just run the train quickly and then you pick up the staff where they are in the right place i agree that there is the risk that if you take that protection away then the then the train operators might push to just well if we've done that a bit then we'll just not ever have staff on there but the way you do that is i think you fight for well you have to have you know on on you know uh, 19 out of 20 trains there has to be a, you know you, there has to be an audit every month of the number of trains that run without or the number of miles run without a, a person on the train and, a, and approach it that way as a way to make sure that dco is, is 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 mandated that you still have someone on the train who isn't the driver who is on the train actually looking after people um but it allows that the, the kind of the the, the effectiveness of, of a bit of uh, flexibility so yes it's very difficult and and, and the, the key thing is that the unions are always very wary of and rightly so is is a, a little crack being opened in the door to allow a flood of stripping away of of of, of, of rights or of jobs so I, I can absolutely understand you know i'm less naive now i can absolutely understand why this has become such an important issue to fight hard on um ah it's one for a pub i think it's a very complicated chat it's one for the pub maybe after a, a future live rail now right anyway and we bring this to now june 2022 happening right now you know the rmt is uh is leading on on these strikes at the moment but the tssa is currently balloting so this could balloon it could absolutely balloon and it might well do uh tssa is my union rmt is again remember this is not a driver strike uh, it might well become that ask left if you want to get involved but actually it's not a driver strike this is a strike of non-drive generally start you know clean, it's people right the way from cleaning trains up to um you know maintenance staff frontline staff and then if it's tssa that'll include a huge range of they always refer to as managerial but it's not just managerial there's engineers it's it's professionals uh you know generally white collar staff rmt blue collar tssa white collar in a really really kind of um uh kind of not very kind of a rough way to kind of um Oh, there's a word I'm looking for, but I'm so tired I can't think of it. Sorry, it's been a long day. But uh, you know what I mean. Like, that's the broad breakdown of, of, of the way that these two unions function. Um, we might see it expand. But, but but my message is essentially, like, we we should be doing our best as people who are rail natterers. Hello, everyone. To be to be helping to, to make sure that message is getting out. This is firstly, this is not about drivers. Even if it was, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it's not about drivers. It's about other frontline staff that, that keep the railway running. Signalers as well, of course. Uh, another thing is, is is the fact this is government's fault you know put, ignore network rail network rail are just piggy in the middle this is this is a government this is a th these are the tory rail strikes i like that hashtag they are tory rail strikes it's a good way to kind of capture it um and it's only government that can can stop this happening but unfortunately government is wedded to a a, a strip and sell ideology at this point so uh where are things going to go i really don't know i really do not know how depressing oh anyway uh it only means to, this has been a short one because uh, it's, I had to put it together at that last minute and I don't think you need a long one and strikes happening. So we've already hopefully, possibly, maybe, probably had a day of strikes. There are another two days of strikes to go. Full solidarity, solidarity to the RMT. For anyone curious, oh, in fact, I'll talk about that in a minute. Firstly, audio only. Uh, I think I'm a bit behind. Sorry, I'm a bit behind. Um, you can't. You don't know that I'm a bit behind because you aren't able to listen because I've not uploaded these, but it's been a bit hectic. Um, but uh, things should be a bit smoother next week. Uh, there'll, there'll be a, couple, a few things that will all land at once. Um, anyway, yes, so apologies for that. 
Patreon, continue to support me doing this stuff. Um, uh, Masket for the merch, paypal.me for pennies, and Discord for more of the chat that's going on and to sort of see what I'm up to. If you're Patreon only, you get the Discord chat of, of seeing what I'm up to at Rail Live as well. Um, talking of which, next week's episode will be, because right, Rail Live is happening right now, I will edit that episode together. Uh, good grief, this weekend I'm going to have so much to do. Oh, crikey. Um, oh, actually, that's a very good point. I'll talk and then I'll drop this uh, slide in on top. So, yes, um, uh, next week, Rail Live 2022. Uh, we're going to be going around Rail Live. It's not going to be a repeat of, the, of last year's episode. This time I'm going to be a bit more focused. There'll be a bit less of my bald chest um, in camera and a bit more focused sort of sat chats and interviews and, discuss and, and going and picking on features. It'll be a short one as well because I'm not going to do the walk around like I did last time because it's very time consuming but I'll just pick out a few things that I think are interesting and worth exploring uh, the, the freight presence for example for anyone wondering what I'm doing given that their strikes are happening well firstly I'm driving down which I always do anyway because I have too much kit to, to take the train with and I have to arrive very early and blah 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 uh, that's number one number two um, uh, I won't be doing any speaking interviewing people on on the on the Thursday which is strike day so Wednesday is not a strike day. Today has is not has not been a strike day. So today I've been doing all my filming. Uh, tomorrow I, I'll I'll I will be doing probably a bit of filming, but actually I won't be doing any. Um, I won't be speaking to anyone. Uh, I won't be doing any interviews with people. So yeah, and and I and I don't intend to hide away from the the, the discussion of the strikes while I'm there speaking to people. So um, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll I, I'll hopefully get a chance to speak to Nigel. Um, I know he, he and I don't. I don't think we entirely disagree on lots of the stuff behind it but we disagree on the on the strike we disagree on on the impact of the strike and why the strike is happening and the necessity of the strike uh, and i don't think we'll shy away from that we'll have that discussion uh we'll see if nigel wants to kind of dart away from it or or, or chat specifically about it but um yeah we won't be shying away from it and hopefully we'll speak to some industry might speak to a couple of industry leaders about it as well um but that day is a is a normal working day ostensibly so um hopefully there'll be lots of people attending real live on wednesday catch up and do come find me on uh, on either day and, and come and say hello if, if you're around if you're at real live um come and say hi yes uh the other thing is um uh, yes this weekend finally we see the return of uh, an engineer plays uh, i'm very excited about that um uh yeah it's going to be return of an engineer plays uh we shall be uh returning to amphitros to return to the archipelago uh many things will be happening uh, lots of fun stuff to to show you and share as history develops and um yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. A return, and then they'll probably be about two weekly. So there'll be one, there'll be a, a new episode every two weeks, I think, um, to 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 keep it. So uh, yeah, it might not be. Uh, there'll there'll be long episodes probably. Uh, so there's plenty of content there for you to absorb. But um, I don't think they're going to be every week because there's there's a bit of prep to do for each one. You know, there's a bit of lore to to thread through. Anyway, um, yeah, really, it only remains for me to uh to go large face to get my large face here. Hello, I've got big face. Um, and to and to say, uh, firstly, this watch is gorgeous. This this watch, yes, uh, the mundane Swiss watch that I got as a present from Dina. Thanks, Dina. Look at that; it's nice. It's upside down, I know, but anyway, uh, it's nice. It's nice to have treats uh, and, and birthday presents for a year and a half ago. <laughs> no, it's gorgeous. Thanks, Dina. Um, everyone, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a short one, um, but it's been nice to have you along in the chat. Hello, everyone in the chat. Uh, sorry, it's not a live one, but I'm literally in a, I'm somewhere in a field. What time is it? Nine p.m. I'm anyway i'm out and about i will see you all <laughs> i'll see you all next week uh for another pre-record because it's the rail it's the rail live one uh but i'll see you this weekend coming for an engineer place cheerio cheerio everyone cheerio